Hey, what's going on, you guys? So I wanted to send you guys a quick little message here before we get the show going. I just got back from the dog park with Roxy. And uh, for any of you guys who've been listening to the podcast for a little bit now, you know that I have a German Shepherd, Roxy, and uh, you guys know I love her so much. And as any other pet owner, any other dog owner knows, you know, the health and well-being of their pet is incredibly important to them. So as I look into my health and the types of foods I eat and the type of supplements I need to take to live my best life, I'm also looking out for my Roxy girl. So when I start looking into Sierracil and I start taking Sierracil for myself, I take Joint Formula 14, I also saw that Sierracil has a product for dogs as well too. They have Sierracil in soft dog chews. And when I asked Michael Bentley, the CEO of Sierra Sil, about this product, he told me all about this product and told me a few stories about dogs who have taken this product and how they just have a bounce back in their step again. So my Roxy girl is, you know, she's a little bit younger, but she's a German Shepherd and she's prone to hip dysplasia, as a lot of German Shepherds are. So I'm very concerned about her hips and her health, and, and I want to make sure that she has the right supplementation to help her. So recently, I started no- noticing as she's getting older, you know, her hips are getting a little bit stiffer. So I started to introduce the Sierra Sil Soft Dog Chews, and she loves them. It's like a treat. And uh, what I noticed after three weeks, she was getting up with more spring in her step. After we'd go to the dog park and she'd run around for an hour, she didn't slow down anymore. So not only am I a believer in Joint Formula 14 for myself, but also my Roxy girl. She takes soft dog chews, um, which also contains the natural ingredient Sierracil, which comes in the form of the soft dog chew as well, too. So it's not only for humans, but it's for your best friend as well, too, your dog. So if you guys are curious, if you're like me, you want to make sure that you're giving your dog the best type of supplementation, go to sierrasil.com, go to the Our Products section and scroll down to Soft Dog Chews. They have a really good video there with Michael Bentley himself. I've talked a lot about Michael and in coming weeks, you'll be able to hear from Michael, uh, but you'll actually be able to hear from him and see him in this video as well too. And I'd highly recommend that you guys go check it out. But definitely, definitely, definitely try the Sierrasil 14-day challenge today. And if you don't notice better mobility and less stiffness in you or your dog, they will give you your money back, 100% guaranteed. So when buying online, all you need to do is use the coupon code CUTTHECRAP, all one word, and you get 15% off. Nice and easy. So go to sierrasil.com. That's S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L.com. That's sierrasil.com. Filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book. Without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calagiri. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where I make sure you never have to read a business book again, because you're coming to me every single week, and I'm doing all that dirty work for you. So just before we get into the show, I just want to remind you guys, go to CutTheCrapPodcast.com and sign up for the weekly summaries. Those summaries are a condensed version in PDF format of each of the episodes. So it's nice to have uh, sort of a takeaway with you that you can print up and make notes on. So go to CutTheCrapPodcast.com and sign up for those. Also, if you are so inclined and you have time... I would really appreciate you going onto iTunes and reviewing and ranking Cut the Crap Podcast. It really means a lot to me if you took some time out of your day and provided a review for the show. Uh, it's just good feedback for me and a good, another validation in terms of why I'm doing this. 
I also want to thank Tony Canuck. He provided some feedback this week, and I am definitely going to take your feedback into consideration, my friend. He mentioned that uh, for a show called Cut the Crap Podcast, it takes me too long to get into it. There's too much ad lib in the very beginning. So thank you for that feedback. I'm definitely going to uh, make sure that we keep these intros a lot more leaner. So thanks for that, man. Really appreciate that. Also, one more thing before we get going. If anybody is listening to this podcast and it's impacting your life, it's impacting your career, you're finding value in it, reach out to me, guys. Send me an email. Hit me up on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is you guys prefer. And let me know how the show is changing your life, how it's impacting you. Every single week I get a message from somebody new and uh, it really means a lot to me. And it's the fuel that keeps me going. It keeps me going. And uh, I love hearing from you guys and building relationships with uh, all the listeners. So definitely don't be shy. Reach out to me and um, let me know what you like about the show, guys. All right, let's get right into this one, you guys. So what are we doing this week? This week, we're talking about the book Made to Stick by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. So this is a really good book that essentially is a build-off from last week's book, The Tipping Point. In The Tipping Point, we talked about ideas that spread like an epidemic. And for ideas to spread, they need to be sticky. While this book obviously made to stick, it's all about how to make your ideas stick. So on the jacket of the book, what is this book about? Some ideas are stick-worthy while others are not. And the traditional advice to make ideas stick, such as knowing your audience, making eye contact, practice, and repetition, tends to have a limited amount of effectiveness. In Made to Stick, authors Chip and Dan Heath argue that people remember ideas that contain a simple, proverb-like message, ideas that are unexpected, Ideas that are concrete in description, ideas that are credible in nature, ideas that evoke emotion, and ideas that are presented as stories. These six principles of sticky ideas compacted into the acronym SUCCESS serve as a blueprint for making ideas and messages more effective and memorable. Great book, you guys. Some really solid golden nuggets. We have seven golden nuggets and one bonus golden nugget this episode. So let's crack right into this. Golden nugget number one. How an idea is presented impacts whether or not it will spread. So just because you have an idea, it doesn't mean it's going to spread. That idea might even be great and it won't spread. And as you sit there banging your head against the wall, wondering why your idea doesn't take hold... Far less worthy ideas like rumors or hoaxes spread like an epidemic. For example, stories like the man who woke up in his hotel room and his kidney was cut out. Or stories about Halloween candy being tampered with. Why do these stories stick and yours doesn't? Two reasons for that. First, it's because they're memorable. And two, because people are eager to pass them onwards. Remember that. They're memorable and people are eager to pass them onwards. So if you can take advantage of these two principles, any idea can be designed so it becomes sticky. Take, for example, many years ago in the United States, health groups were trying to raise awareness around how unhealthy the butter and movie popcorn was for your health. The message these groups pushed out into the market was that a bag of popcorn contained 37 grams of saturated fat. Now, while that number is important... It was highly ineffective because it was too dry, it was too academic, so it had no chance of sticking at all. However, they changed their approach and created a statement that was memorable and one that was significant and easy enough to understand that they would pass it on. It stuck. They came back and said, 
A medium-sized butter popcorn at a typical neighborhood movie theater contains more artery-clogging fat than a bacon and egg breakfast, a Big Mac with french fries for lunch, and a steak dinner with all the trimmings combined. Now, because it was vivid and because it painted a picture, this message stuck. It spread and eventually drove movie theaters to replace using the butter with more healthier alternatives. Okay, so what can we take from this golden nugget? So when communicating your benefit, your differentiators, your unique selling propositions, et cetera, et cetera, try and do what this golden nugget suggested. Provide more vivid detail. So instead of saying we provide quality services and we are our client's trusted advisor, tell the marketplace how long you've had particular clients and even go as far as sharing what your net promoter score is in your marketing to prove your point. Maybe you provide a book of references with all of that information readily available. Now, this is an idea that would definitely stick and spread within an organization. If you went to a company, a prospect, and you gave them a list of references that were written on a letterhead from those companies recommending you and providing testimonials and saying, hey, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to call because we worked with this company. They saved us this much money. They were this easy to work with. I have never worked with anybody this good before. If you have a book of stories like that, screw all the marketing. Just send that book of references to every single one of your prospects and they're going to get it. They're going to go through it and they're going to say, okay, you know what? I got to talk to these guys because clearly they are really good at what they do. I've seen one company use this before and use it extremely successfully. And now all they do is every single new client they have, they add a new reference. And this book just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, they actually segment it into a niche. So that for them was a significant marketing strategy. And one that I would recommend you try as well too. Golden nugget number two, sticky ideas need to be simple. People are tempted to tell you everything with perfect accuracy right up front when in all actuality they should be giving you just enough info to be useful and then a little more information and then a little more. By default, it's seemingly easier just to explain our idea as thoroughly as possible so the person on the other end of the table has all the information to make a decision. But this is incredibly counterproductive. When it comes to creating sticky ideas, too much detail destroys any chance of stickiness. Instead of vomiting all over your prospects, clients, or consumers, cut the crap from your pitch and boil it all down to one simple statement. Anything more than a simple statement will easily, easily be forgotten. This key statement will ensure your idea is easier to pick up and remember. So some examples here. Southwest Airlines and their statement, the low fare airline, that was their central message. And because of that, it was easy to remember and spread. Take another example of Bill Clinton's 1992 presidential campaign. His statement, it's the economy, stupid. This message, by strategic necessity, excluded all other messages aside from the importance of the economy. Clinton's chief strategists and advisors did not allow him to bury this lead despite his desire and the desire of the public to talk about a wide range of other campaign issues. He focused on this issue, people understood the importance of the issue, and it was easy to remember who was the main guy to take care of that issue. It was Bill Clinton, and it was about the economy. Now, simplifying your ideas doesn't mean you need to dumb them down. Instead, you need to spend time trying to focus your message around a core idea in a way that anyone can understand. 
Now, this will take some time and a few iterations to get right, but it's absolutely necessary for sticky ideas. All right, so what kind of takeaway can you get from this golden nugget? So in all of your sales, marketing, and product service development initiatives, you need to boil your entire communicative focus down to a core theme that you can rally all of your communications around. So perhaps it's three main benefits that you can boil down to an acronym or a particular story or a particular set of data. Whatever it is, simplify that message so it's easy to communicate and easy to understand. If I go through a lot of your marketing material, if I go through your websites, if I go through your PowerPoint decks, I'm going to find a lot of different messages that might confuse me. I might walk away from there with four, five, six different messages about what you're good at. No, focus on one core theme and ensure all of your marketing highlights those themes. This is a challenge. Like I told you, it's extremely difficult, but the benefits are incredible because now it's going to be easy to remember you. Remember, we want our message to stick in the minds of consumers, and the best way to do that is to make it simple. Golden nugget number three, sticky ideas need to be unexpected. Our brains are designed to be efficient and to help us make sense of the world around us faster. Because of this efficiency, our brains run on autopilot most of the time, causing information to just fly right by us unremembered. This is why it's so important to leverage the element of unexpectedness so it jolts our brain out of that autopilot mode and forces us and our marketplace to pay attention. It is actually quite surprising at how fast we ignore routine things. We might see things once or twice and because we expect what's coming next, we ignore it. Everything from sales presentations to educational videos to blog posts and articles, most of it is all so expected. But by presenting an idea in an unexpected or striking way, it gets the attention it deserves. Unexpected ideas are more likely to stick because surprise makes us pay attention and truly think about what it is we're listening to or what it is we're looking at. That extra attention and thinking burns unexpected events into our memories. Now, to be unexpected, we need to answer two questions. How do I get people's attention? And how do I keep people's attention? Now, while this sounds very simple, the answer to these questions is related to the two essential emotions of surprise and interest. Surprise attracts attention. It has a physical effect on our bodies. In moments of surprise, our brows rise up. We go mute. We stop moving and we pay extra attention. When something surprises us and when it's interesting, it holds us. Those sticky ideas actively work to break our guessing machines, our brains, through unexpectedness and surprises. For example, how often have you sat through a flight attendant's pre-flight safety speech? You know the structure of the script, so you don't even bother paying attention anymore. Despite the fact that this is so important, it could save your life in case something bad happens on your flight. But what if they were to suddenly break away from the expected and do something unexpected, like open their speech up by saying, there may be 50 ways to leave your lover, but there is only one way off this plane. I bet they would have your attention because they broke away from the expected. Now I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on this golden nugget in the next nugget. And that next nugget just happens to be our bonus nugget for today. That bonus nugget is how to make videos that stick. 
This bonus nugget is brought to you by Modern Earth Web Design. Modern Earth provides solutions for an online world. Web design and development, search engine optimization, social media management, email marketing, and more. If you want to know how your website stacks up when it comes to SEO, visit modernearth.net. And on the top of the page, click the red button, send a free SEO report for my website. Once you submit, experts from Modern Earth will review your website and send you back a custom report outlining key insights you can implement to attract more attention to your site and ultimately drive growth. That website again is modernearth.net. All right, so how do we make videos that leverage the element of unexpectedness to gain greater attention? First, you need to make them short. Typically, users won't watch a video longer than three minutes. At 2 minutes and 50 seconds, however, they might press play. So if you're going to use video to leverage the element of unexpectedness, get your message across in under 3 minutes. Next, what you need to do is get stimulus from other sources that have challenged expectations in the past with video. Two great examples are Poopery and Delta Airlines. Now, if you sign up for this week's summary, I have links that I want you to look at for both Poopery and Delta Airlines because what they did there was they broke expectations. In both their videos, we had an idea in terms of what was coming. However, they completely shattered our belief of what was coming next and did something completely unexpected. And because of that, that initial video that Poopery created launched the company into stratospheric growth. And if you ask the owner, they will absolutely say that it was that video that did it. And why? Because it was unexpected. With Delta Airlines, they did the exact same thing. And soon airlines all over the world started to copy them. They were incredibly innovative because they leveraged the element of unexpectedness. We have an expectation when it comes to particular videos. So when something is said or is shown that challenges that expectation, it sticks. These two videos, Poopery and Delta Airlines, they are sticky as sticky can be. So the next time you're thinking about developing a video, the experts at Modern Earth Web Design, they want you to keep the element of unexpectedness in mind. A big thank you to Modern Earth Web Design for this bonus golden nugget. Again, if you want to check them out, it's modernearth.net. Golden nugget number four, sticky ideas need to be concrete. By default, people tend to express themselves in a manner that isn't easily understood. They know their topic so well that they get overly verbose and complicated, pulling people into the weeds with the conversation. This is not how you make something sticky. We often do this because we believe that the other person on the other side of the table understands exactly what we are saying. But that's often not the case when we're being overly verbose. A good example from the book is when an experiment was done where someone tapped the song Jingle Bells with their fingers on a desk. The person across from the desk had to guess the song that the person was tapping. When the tapper was asked about the probability of that listener getting it, they estimated that people would know 50% of the time. In reality, though, only 2.5% of people actually guessed it right. The exact same principle applies to verbal communication. The more abstract we are, the harder it is for an idea to stick. Now, of the six traits of stickiness described in the book, being concrete is the easiest to accept and implement. Something becomes concrete when it can be described or detected by the human senses. Concrete ideas are easy to remember. 
Experiments have shown that people remember concrete over abstract nouns far better. So, for example, bicycle is far easier to understand and envision than justice or personality. So let me give you two examples here of how you can be concrete. Movie popcorn contains 20 grams of fat. Now this is too abstract, so instead you want to say this contains more fat than a bacon and egg dinner, a Big Mac with fries for lunch, and a steak dinner with all the trimmings combined, right? We went over this before. So again, very similar to one of the previous golden nuggets. Another one here, a simple mixture of salts and sugar, oral rehydration therapy, ORT, can save lives in the developing world. So instead of giving facts and figures about how many can be saved, if this person who's selling this product, the ORT, this oral rehydration therapy, if they just carried a packet with them, put the packet in water, shook it up in front of, let's say, politicians and stated, do you know that this costs less than a cup of tea and it can save hundreds of thousands of children's lives in your country? Because they can see it, they can imagine it, it becomes concrete. All right, so what kind of takeaway can you get from this golden nugget? The curse of knowledge is a deadly thing. And there's so many of you out there right now who have this. You know your product or service so well. You know your space, your industry so well that you can get overly verbose and you can get people stuck in the weeds. I've worked with a lot of sales teams and a lot of marketing teams and they get so complex with what they're talking about. You need to stop. If you find yourself taking your prospects, taking your customers into the weeds of detail too early on in the process, make your pitch more concrete by pulling it up a little bit and use real life examples to demonstrate the power and benefit of your product or your service with a story or two. By using stories, by telling a story from the perspective of your customer, this will be far more sticky and far more effective than telling them all that you know. This is a really tough thing to do. I can go ahead and say this, but for you to actually go ahead and do this is a completely different thing because a lot of people feel uncomfortable about that. They want to pull up their PowerPoint decks and they want to talk about their capabilities and their technologies and the, in and the intricacies of their technology. I get it, guys. I get it. That's just the way it's always been done. However, what's the harm of trying something new? Try something new. Instead, open up a PowerPoint presentation and say, I have two stories to tell you. And tell two stories at that PowerPoint. Why not? What do you have to lose? Come at me. Let me know if you guys hate this idea. If you don't like this idea, I want to know why. Take a risk. Try something different. Throw away your old PowerPoint presentation where you talk about all your process, your people, your technology, yada, yada, all that stuff. And instead, build a PowerPoint around two or three stories when you're talking to your prospects. Talk to them about the problems they were having the promise you made them to solve their problem, and the proof how you actually did it. Don't get too long. Remember, keep it fairly simple. Keep it short. Try it, guys. This is a great growth strategy takeaway that I think a lot of you should really try and do because there's very low risk involved. If somebody has questions at the end of a presentation, they'll ask, and you can answer them at that time. Golden nugget number five. Sticky ideas need to be credible. Ideas can only spread if they are believed. Otherwise, they're immediately dismissed by the person hearing them. So what makes people believe ideas? The world is saturated with messages that make people skeptical about what they're taking in. And because of that, people make their judgments from the perceived honesty and trustworthiness of the source. Powerful forces of influence include family, personal experiences, faith, authority, and the likability of the source. Celebrities, too, they're often external sources of credibility as well. 
When messages do not have external authority to support their validity, the message needs to have internal credibility. Now, there are several ways you can build internal credibility. Number one, use an anti-authority. So this is kind of a dark example. You can use a dying smoker to make the point that smoking isn't good for you. They are the anti-authority. Or consider the scientist that could not get anyone to believe him that bacteria was causing ulcers. So what did he do? He swallowed the bacteria himself and demonstrated his theory to be correct. Or another example, a nonprofit that claimed to turn homeless people into useful workers. What they would do is they would send a car around to pick up prospective donors and employers of their clients. The trick here, though, their driver. It was unbeknownst to the donor until later on, but that was a former homeless person who was driving them around. So use an anti-authority to try and build credibility. The next thing we can do, use vivid details. We don't always have an external authority who can vouch for our message. Most of the time, our messages have to vouch for themselves. They must have internal credibility. A person's knowledge of vivid details is often a great way to build credibility. Take, for example, a study that revealed that potential jurors were more likely to grant custody in a case where they had a lot of vivid details. Even though there were irrelevant details like the type of toothbrush the victim used or the pants he wore that day, by providing more vivid details, it allowed them to build more credibility into their case. The third way to build credibility, leveraging statistics. This is a time-honored and a standard way to make a point, but it needs to be used correctly. Make a point and then back it up with a statistic to support your point. Very simple. The fourth way to build credibility, the Sinatra test. Frank Sinatra's song, New York, New York, has a line in it that says, if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. The authors suggest this same idea applies to making ideas credible. They advocate that looking for the one test case that makes your idea completely credible. So for example, if you had a security contract for Fort Knox, then any security idea you put forward would be credible. So you want to have that one example that you can pull experience from. And once you're able to do that, you can show everyone else and say, hey, we already did it. We can do it with anybody else. Finally, the fifth and final way for you to build credibility, use testable credentials. Now, this challenges the consumer or receiver of the idea to test the idea themselves. The prime example of this was, where's the beef commercials in the 1980s from Wendy's? The ads suggested that the hamburgers at Wendy's were larger than the other chains and that the other chains had more bun than burger. This was easily verified by any fast food customer when they went there and they saw that there was actually a significant difference in the burgers. Another example they referenced from the book was Ronald Reagan's question in 1980 to voters. Are you better off than you were four years ago? That simple question framed it in voters' minds and thought about it and said, you know what? Are we better off than we were four years ago? And because of that, it's stuck. All right, so there's a lot of stuff to take away from this in terms of how to build credibility, and there's a lot of things that we can do. These are, there's a ton of great takeaways here. So I just want to give you one more thing here, a growth strategy takeaway. I want you to go to every single one of your clients, you guys. And I referenced this before. I want you to ask them for a reference letter telling future prospects about the great experience they had with you. If you're starting off, maybe you have one. 
But as you use these to gain credibility, they will continue to add up and eventually your booklet of references will become so deep that it overwhelms the prospect with how much credibility you have. This is a great tool that every company needs to have and readily present without even being asked for it. Golden nugget number six, sticky ideas need to be emotional. The power of emotion is in its ability to inspire people to action. The goal of making a message emotional is to make people care about the message. Feelings inspire people to act and to act, they have to care. To crystallize the strength of emotion versus reason, a study was conducted on the effect of collecting donations for starving children in Africa with two appeals. The first was based on statistics, while the second was focused on a single named child. Which one do you think fared better? Of course, it was the second one, the one where they talked about that child. Now, the surprising part of this study was that any time reason was evoked, the amount of giving decreased. So, for example, if they used both statistics and the individual child, it decreased. Once we put our analytical hat on, we react to emotional appeals very differently. It hinders our ability to feel. To make people care about ideas, we need to get them to take off their analytical hats and do three things. First, utilize the power of association. The most basic way to get people to care is to form an association between something they don't care about and something they do really care about. Another way you can make people care about your ideas is to appeal to their self-interest. And the best way to do that is to talk about benefits over features. People care about benefits and they care about how it's going to benefit them. So for example, don't tell people that they have the best seed. Tell people they're going to have the best lawn because that's what they care about. So appeal to their self-interest. The third way, appealing to their identity. So if people feel like they know who they are, if you challenge their identity or reinforce it with an example or an idea, it will help in getting your idea to stick. For example, Texas had a problem with roadside garbage. People were just constantly tossing their garbage out the window, littering all over the, uh, the highway. So the government put up signs that said, please don't litter or to pitch in. And it wasn't working. People didn't care. They were still littering. So to make them care, the state developed a campaign that used very Texas-like spokespeople. George Foreman, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Willie Nelson. Now those three gentlemen recorded ads that said, Mama, tell your babies, don't mess with Texas. And those messages, it implied that tossing trash out the window of a moving car violated the idea of being from Texas and being a proud Texan. As a result, the ads worked. And finally, golden nugget number seven, sticky ideas need to be told with stories. Ideas that stick are better told with stories. A story is like a flight simulator for your brain because it forces us to use our imagination and put ourselves in the story. Too many of us, when trying to spread an idea, remove the story behind the idea in favor of a hollow slogan. That's not going to stick. You need the story. Talk about your idea in the form of a story. I've talked about this already in the episode, you guys. Now, the hardest part about using a story is creating it. That's the toughest part. The best way to find stories is to always be on the lookout for a story. Your mind has to be tuned and your mind has to be looking for stories to tell all the time. 
Now, most good stories are collected and discovered rather than made up for the purposes of marketing. Those stories, they lack authenticity, and we can honestly see through them. We can tell they're manufactured. We can tell they're not authentic, and they just stink. They suck. So here's an example for you. Now, this guy's, uh, well, I don't have to say too much about him. I think we know about him, but the example is still one that we can use in this context. Subway story of Jared Fogel, a man who lost 245 pounds by eating at the restaurant. When he was discovered, what they did was they told his story and his story stuck. People listened to Jared. Jared was the spokesperson for Subway for so many years. He became their mascot, so to speak. And it stuck. And so people really remembered that. And they said, wow, he lost a lot of weight. He looks great. He looks happy. And I want to lose weight. And I want to be happy too. So the authors, Dan and Chip Heath, they share three major types of stories that we should be leveraging. The first type, the challenge plot. This is the classic underdog, rags to riches, or sheer willpower triumphing over adversity type of story. The key element of the challenge plot is that the obstacles seem daunting to the protagonist. Example, Subway's Jared losing 245 pounds. The second story type, the connection plot. The connection plot is a story about people who develop a relationship that bridges a gap, whether it's racial, class, ethnic, religious, demographic, or otherwise. An example here is the Mean Joe Green commercial of the 1970s, where he made friends with a scrawny little young kid. All connection plots inspire us in social ways. They make us want to help others, work with others, and love with others. And finally, the third type of story, the creativity plot. Now, this involves someone making a mental breakthrough, solving a long-standing puzzle, or attacking a problem in an innovative way. Now, I have a feeling that a lot of you out there who are exploring utilizing stories, you'll very likely fit into the third one, the creativity plot, because what you're doing is you're out there solving problems. And what you need to do is you need to tell the story about how you helped your clients, how you helped the marketplace, how you helped consumers solve a particular problem, achieve a particular breakthrough, have them attack the problem in an innovative way that maybe they didn't think about before you came along. Stories are great for removing the curse of knowledge, which many organizations have. I've mentioned this before in the episode. Also, when explaining how to solve problems, you might be very brief in how you describe it. So for example, you might say, keep the lines of communication open. In your mind, if you're saying that, you know all the intricacies of it. You know the details. You're remembering the experiences and the lessons that you learned, which then helped you summarize that phrase, keep the lines of communication open. You remember the struggles, the political battles, the missteps, the pain. However, what you're doing here is you are tapping jingle bells, as described earlier on. You need to share the story behind your trial. You need to pull that person in and allow them to take that journey with you. Now, the cool thing about stories is that they usually automatically meet the other criteria for making ideas sticky. They're almost always concrete. They're almost always emotional. They almost always have an unexpected element to it. Just make sure your stories are simple enough to understand and short in nature. And you know what? You got yourself a really sticky strategy here. Remember, we're telling a story here, so be sure you don't just interview your clients and your customers. Get them to talk about where they came from, when they met you, and how life is now that they worked with you. Get them to really pull people in. This is the kind of story that will spread and stick in the minds of your prospects and your marketplace. 
All right, my friends, there we have it. There is Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. Really, really good book. A lot of solid takeaways from this one. And I really feel it complements last week's episode of The Tipping Point, where we talked about how to make ideas spread like an epidemic. Now this book really talks about how to make ideas stick in the minds of consumers, in the minds of your customers, your prospects, the marketplace. A lot of really great takeaways here. So my in my hope is that you're able to take a few of these takeaways, one or two of them, and incorporate them into your own marketing, sales, product development, service development strategies to really make something that sticks in the mind of your marketplace. Really, really love this book. A lot of really good takeaways from this. Don't forget to go to cutthecrappodcast.com and sign up for the summaries if you haven't already done that. This one especially, there's a lot of really good takeaways in there, and I have links to those two video examples that I uh, talked about a little earlier on. So you want to download that and get those links for sure. Thank you so much to our stakeholders today, Sierra Sill, sierrasill.com, and Modern Earth, modernearth.net. Always appreciate their support of this medium and the support of Cut the Crap Podcast. Without them, this podcast is not possible. So thank you so much to them. Give them some love as well, too. And finally, if you guys have time, if you don't, that's okay. But if you do, if you guys can go online to iTunes and provide a, a ranking or a review of the podcast, I would greatly appreciate that as well, too. It always means a lot to me when you guys take the time out of your day uh, to go ahead and do that. So thank you so much. Oh, one more thing. Definitely don't forget to reach out to me, you guys. You know, one of the biggest benefits of doing this podcast is just meeting all of you guys, hearing about your experiences and hearing about how you're using the show, how so many of you are incorporating this show into your Monday morning routine. It's just, man, it just means a lot to me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart to every single one of you who email me, uh, who message me on LinkedIn and you tell me about how uh, you are enjoying this show. I love it, you guys. It truly means a lot to me. So uh, just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for that. It really means a lot to me. All right, my friends. I hope you guys have a very, very productive week. I'm out of here this week. But as usual, I will catch you back here next week with a brand new business book and brand new golden nuggets. You guys have an awesome week. Take it easy. I love you guys. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces and I think I mean I made every wrong choice a middle aged man can make I uh, I pissed away all my money believe it or not I chased off anyone who's ever loved me and lately I can't even stand the face I see in America 
You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now, I can't make you do it. You got to look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now, I think you're going to see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're going to see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. That's the team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do?